Welcome to the Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Cavan goalkeeper, and I now work as a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports and business leaders around the world. For our first episode of 2023, I'm delighted to be joined by Tyrone's All-Ireland winner and All-Star goalkeeper, Niall Morgan. During our conversation, Niall talks about the challenge of juggling family, sport and career commitments. He reflects on the highs of winning the All-Ireland Football Championship and chats about the need for himself and Tyrone to get back to basics this season. He also discusses the importance of switching off, developing confidence and remembering that there is a person behind each and every inter-county player. This podcast series is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA programme that empowers inter-county players across four key areas life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. But for now, please sit back, relax and enjoy the player's voice with Niall Morgan. Niall Morgan, you're very welcome to the player's voice. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, we'll start with. I'm looking there. I think you're you're sitting in a school office, so you're you're hiding away somewhere, haven't done a day's work. So where are you? What have you been up to? Like, wh- who are you teaching, or what are you teaching? Yeah, so I've recently, well, just the start of September, started a new post. I'm now teaching principal in St John's English, which is in Annachmore, County Armagh. So uh, across across the border, uh, teaching P6 and P7 as well as well as the principal. So classroom three days and office two days um, so it's it's interesting What's the difference between that say in a regular teaching post or what's that kind of transition like for anyone that doesn't know including myself Yeah well it was it's in terms of difference like um, I was teaching in Eden Dark Primary School for eight years and you know like the my last three years there I was teaching primary six just uh, so we had a straight straight class um, of in around 30 children most years um, whereas in Annachmore, it's a smaller school, it's a co- country school. Um, and I'm like f- 14 in my class now, so 10 primary six and four P7s. Um, some people think it's it's easier then, but you're still covering the same same level of curriculum and stuff. Um, I suppose the biggest difference is that there's there's now uh, more responsibility land at my door. Uh, Thursday and Friday in the office, you're, you're sort of trying to tidy things up and get policies in line and suppose get get my head around the different side of of the office desk I suppose and trying to l- learn my way through it and I suppose I guess was teaching something Niall as, as a profession as a column was that something you kind of always saw for yourself or a kind of way of life that you always saw for yourself yeah well I was was always pretty good in school and enjoyed school um, but and whenever I was first year in St Patrick's Academy 2003 uh, Trone just won the All-Ireland and at the end of September that year and Kieran Gurley was my maths teacher and he, he brought in the All-Ireland medal and he passed it around the class and w- whenever I seen that you could be a teacher and, and win All-Ireland medals that was just my, my mind made up so from, from first year basically in my academy days that's whenever the it became a reality that was that was what I was going to do whenever I got older 
And I suppose then as a kid, you're looking up and you see you have a clear role model and then there's kind of a, you're able to join up two things in your brain almost straight away of, oh, this could work for me. I suppose on the practical side of it now, like as an adult and further down the path and practically working every day, what is the thing I suppose that you enjoy most about teaching? Like what is the, I suppose a lot of the time we'll hear cliches or people like, oh, you're a GA player, you must be a teacher, that'll pop up every now and again. But I suppose practically in your day-to-day life, like what is it about teaching? What is it that you enjoy the most? I will, every, everybody says the only reason we're teachers is because of July and August. <laughs> but like you enjoy the satisfaction out of, out of seeing people succeed and get better going from, you know, not being able to do something to being able to do it. And, and really, you know, you're, you're constantly building, building people's confidence around you. And I think that's why I sort of wanted to move into the, the principal side of things as well, like, because I enjoy like team building basically and, and boosting morale and, um, being part of a team environment. And I think like in a school, it's the same idea as being on a football team. Like you're, you're part of a, a group of people that want to make things better for others. Um, so like just just enjoy, you know, giving people the opportunity to succeed and, and get the best out of themselves. Yeah, totally. And I suppose that would link in then in terms of making that transition from being a, a direct teacher to, I think technically you described yourself as a teaching principal. Did I get that correct? That's it, yeah. I suppose is that part of your motivation to be able to oversee maybe an environment more and a culture more within like a building, within a within a school in terms of having more kind of whether it's not necessarily control, but kind of more influence over the type of place you want that to be for the kids that are coming in every day. And you said trying to develop people, trying to improve people. And ultimately, I'm sure underneath that, trying to create a place that people want to come to and enjoy and can be themselves. Definitely, that's that's exactly it. You, Whenever you're in a classroom and you're teaching, you've you've got sort of, you're, you're overseeing what's going on within your classroom. But I always like the idea of being able to to help others uh, on a on a wider scale, and you know, like you always have a vision of what you would like the school to be. But whenever you're you're teaching, it's hard to actually implement that and and make it a reality. So, like getting the opportunity to become a principal and sort of change things and and try to to help a staff to to feel like they're really wanted and really want to be there and that they want to influence children's, you know, livelihoods in a, in a positive manner is, is probably what, what set me on, on, on the journey of, to become a principal. Like, um, obviously there, there is more responsibility that comes along with it and probably more stress and uh, more phone calls and stuff. But like, as I said, I enjoy that, uh, I suppose it's it's a leadership role with it within the the school uh, building and within the, the the team that we have together here as a staff. So it's it's something that I, I'm enjoying doing and I'm I'm looking forward to to progress to progressing in my career in it. And was there any part? Yeah, as I said, I'm missing to you there in terms of you know like a leadership role. There's kind of those extra responsibilities or pressures that come with it. I'm just curious. Was there any part of you that was like actually maybe if I'm still playing here, should I just kind of stay in my lane? and be a teacher and kind of kick that can down the road? Was that like an internal conversation for yourself? Was it something you talked out loud with, with your partner or friends? Was that, would that have played, would that have popped up in your mind during the process? Absolutely, yeah. Well, like I'm married to uh, wife, Kira now. We got married 2017. Um, like I was 25. A lot of people would say that's very young to be getting married. 
We have two young kids. Christy just turned three in January and Maisie will be two now at the end of March. So like there's a lot going on at at home, never mind within the, the county setup and then the club setup. And um, we've done my masters and graduated last year. Um and like so there there is loads happening, but like me and my wife had the conversation and I'm just not the sort of person that enjoys sitting still and you know, I always want to be pushing myself on and moving on to the next step and like that's she's so supportive and she's always there and she's you know without her being at home and and giving the time and support to the family that whenever I'm not there uh, she's a teacher herself and so she knows the the pressure and stress that come with the job in general and whenever I talked about going on to be a principal she she was ultra supportive but you know she just said it wouldn't be for her and it's not something that she, she would want to be doing but um, it's it's just as I say I'm just one of them sort of people that always wants to be moving forward and, and progressing and it just seemed like the natural step for me to to start looking this way Yeah and then I suppose like listen to you there you know you talk about so there's there's working in terms of being a teacher and then stepping up into a principal now like you mentioned him doing a master's there which I'm, I'm guessing was that tied in with wanting to become a principal was that was that linked to that yeah. position? Yeah it was le- masters in leadership and education Excellent. Um, and then you mentioned obviously being a dad, having a young family at home, being a GA player, both club and county. And I suppose I'm just curious kind of how you find juggling all those commitments, like, and kind of what, what helps you to do that? I suppose, like, in terms of the player's voice, we've been having conversations with a whole right wide range of, of, of male, female players about life on and off the pitch. And just as you kind of described that, I suppose that busyness that can pop into your life, I'm sure, at different stretches, I suppose I'd be curious as to maybe what. I suppose what helps you juggle those and kind of helps you look after yourself within all that? I think the, the biggest thing for me personally is time management and, you know, having a plan for what's happening. Um, even like if, like a mid, mid-term break, uh, whenever it comes up, like I'll have a plan of, of what's going to happen each day, uh, be it like that I'm going golfing, be it Kira having appointments, uh, be it, Days with the kids, like I just always want to have a plan of things. Where when training's going to be, if training changes, like it it frustrates me if there's like late notice to th- to things changing. I just I, I like the routine. I suppose that's why maybe school works for me as well. That you know you have the routine of you know when you're going to be working, when the holidays are going to be, um, and then like you sort of follow a similar routine each day, and that you know what the the kids are going to be learning and stuff, um. So I think think time management and, and being planned and prepared is huge um, for, for anybody that's going to step into a, an important role, be that in, in a place of work or be it in a county team that they're, they're managing themselves effectively. And I suppose like time management is, is it a, a buzzword or a phrase that will get thrown around a lot and be like, oh, you need to get better at time management. I know for sure I remember a, a manager telling me that at one point when I was playing and I'm sure I've said it to other people in terms of work. But I suppose practically the question I have for you is like, how do you go about that? Like, is that like, is it a calendar on the computer? Are you pen and paper? Like, is it, I know I spoke to, I actually spoke to Philly McMahon before on, on the podcast and he talked about like, you know, colour blocks on a calendar. Like practically, how do you go about kind of observe, like managing that, observing that and making sure you're you're looking after that end of yourself? It, it just depends on, you know, what it's for. So like my timekeeping, like uh, even 
some boys hearing me talking about time management, they'll be laughing like because I'm nearly late all the time for for everything that I do. Um, but like in terms of, um, like in school, like you obviously have your, like Adam, every day is planned at least a week in advance, just in a word document. Then like it feeds into your next week's planning, so you're you're constantly on on the word document in terms of what you're teaching. For the office job, I'm just constantly writing notes in my diary. Um, so like that, one of them's going from always being, you know, documented in a computer to being handwritten. Um, in terms of like, as I said about planning midterm breaks and stuff, it's just on the notes section of my phone. You know what what needs to be done. Um, even in terms of like coming up to the summer, like things that we want to do, and just make a list of stuff on on the notes and just tick them off as we go or delete them as we go. So, just I think. It doesn't have to be like a one size fits all for everything, but it's finding a way that that works for you for whatever it is that you're looking to plan. Like, and then obviously the Tyrone side of things, we've got our our team up where where all the sessions are, are detailed for in in it for us. So, um, it just just depends what what I'm looking to ma- manage. Like, I wouldn't have I don't really use the calendar on my phone in terms of the dates, but I I will I like write in. And the note section, as I say, just like say, July the first, de- first day of summer, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and and what probably a uh, golf summer, um. But I'm um, like just go through go through it like that. And then I suppose as I'm listening to you there, kind of talking about like I suppose and recognizing those different commitments you have to juggle and to fulfil. How important has is time for yourself and all that? And I appreciate that's probably easier said than done when you've got like all that stuff that you've described, including family life and sport life. But do you make time for yourself within all that? Is that something that's important to you? And I suppose if you do, how do how do you go about that? Oh, definitely. Like I, I'm keen, I love playing golf. Like golf is, is my time to to get away. And again, uh, only for having a, a wife that's very understanding. Like golf's not something that you pop out of the house for for an hour to play. Like, you know, you could be away for five or six hours at a time. Um, and like that's sort of, my my headspace is is playing golf and the lad that I play with most of the time, uh, Joe Timlin, he's a uh, like he's he, he's into football, but like he knows when to talk about it and when I don't want to talk about it, which is great because it is a time to get away and a time to to just go and relax and and talk about things outside of football and um it's he, he's really good at knowing when. He needs to needs to probe at me for for what's wrong <laughs> if if there's a club <laughs> fl- flinging through the air or something. Uh, he knows to start probing, um, but no, it's it's it's. I think it's it's something that everybody needs to have is like something away from what's taking up the majority of their time. So, like, if it is county football, you need to have something that is your switch off mode where you can go and if it is a golf course, if it's the cinema, wherever it is, that you can just sit back and switch all off and, and have a bit of time to yourself that you can not think rather than think. Yeah, like I think that's I think that's such an important point and you know like you talk about a lot of the time or certainly in often the world we get caught up in that kind of cult of business where I'm kind of going from here to there and then there to there and almost we can time management becomes just kind of making sure you get all your tasks done or kind of doing all those things and I'm always kind of just curious as the benefit or how people find that space. I think golf is the one you've described there to find that kind of, maybe you can find a bit of a flow or 
I suppose, do you ever, with golf say, do you ever struggle in terms of getting like tick at yourself in terms of, because you, you start trying to think you need to be really good at this or is it something that you can relax into and actually kind of use as an escapism? Uh, it's a, a, I suppose it depends. Like the, the problem of playing along with, well, the good thing and the problem of playing along with Joe is he's really good. So he play, he plays off like scratch or plus one, plus two. Um, I'm I play off six, so I'm trying to keep up with him. And on days it's it's great because you you're kind of close to him. And then other days you're you're so far away and you're nearly frustrated because you're you're not as good. <laughs> um, but it there's days I go out and it's just like right, I'm just going out here to get my head shard for for four hours and I'm just going to enjoy the fresh air. And then there's other days that. You know, there maybe is something that has annoyed you and suddenly the, the golf seems to annoy you even more. So, um, but I, I, look, it's just something that I, that I really enjoy doing and something that I, I can get away from. And just thinking in terms of that time management thing again, like I would always have a switch off time in terms of work. Like, you know, I'm stay, I stay late on, on a Monday, but like the other days I would have a time where even if I'm not finished, you know, right, it's it's home time and, I need to go home because I see my family or have training or whatever and I think that's important as well that you don't overdo overdo things on yourself and that you, you have a time where you say right enough's enough it's like I'm, I'm always preaching it in school about homework with kids like parents are saying maybe it's taking too long or whatever but I would be saying like you know if they do 20 or 30 minutes you know enough's enough sort of thing and let them put away the books and, and do something that they enjoy they've, they've spent enough time in school and it's the same for for adults in terms of work like you, you need to put things away and and enjoy the the other things in life yeah I think like have you ever is it something you've ever struggled with now the last couple of years in terms of trying to find that balance between sport life work like has there has there ever been times where it kind of creeps in on top of you or you're feeling like tired or getting close to a burnout or burned out is that ever kind of popped up in your life uh, I think it's sort of at the in November December time there was, the, was this new job obviously um, it's it's an extra about 20 minutes from home compared to my last job so I was trying to find the balance of you know getting home at a good time from school that I could spend some time with my wife and kids before I go to training because I say on, on a Monday like I stay late in school so I don't really get to see them much on a Monday Tuesday we're training and like for, for the first while I was literally coming in through the door from every 15 minutes and like it was nearly upsetting everybody because it was a complete panic and rushing match um, for me to get in, get a bite of food maybe and get out through the door. So rather than actually getting some decent quality time with them, it was just upsetting everybody's rhythm. Um, so I've only really started to get get it together now in the last couple of weeks where it's, you know, I have to, I know I have to be out of school at a certain time to get home, to have enough time with, with the family. So it's it was, it was tough getting that balance because... Obviously, new in our role and in an important role, you you want to sort of be be setting good examples, and you didn't want to be seen as, you know, he's he's swinging the lead the day again and and running home ahead early. early. So it's a uh, it was it was tough striking that balance to start with. Yeah, I think like that point now, like is such an important point of like with particularly with GA players at intercounty level, like we all. If we're watching it on the TV, sometimes that like detaches you from like the realization of who these people are and that they're the real people out playing the games. Or if you know someone has a bad game, like you said, like let's say that happens on Tuesday and Thursday for you, and you don't play as well on Saturday. Like there's real life issues that's kind of popping around in the background, or that that you have to juggle. And I suppose like 
the GPA is an organization that's tr- tried to and does step up in that space to help players maybe find better sport life balance to manage those issues when they pop up. And I know you're involved with the Gale Players Association and on the National Executive Committee. So I was just kind of curious, um, what does that mean? Because I'm just even thinking now and always laughed, as I said, like that's another layer of commitment on top of being a player or being involved in leadership in Throne. What does that actually mean in terms of your role responsibility there in the group and what motivated you to get involved in that capacity, Niall? It was, um, I, I've always, I suppose again, maybe people think that I just like to be in, stuck in the middle of things, um, but like, I always had a view that that players should be treated uh, in a way that is respectful of them and in recognition, I suppose, for the amount of effort and time that they put into things, and you know the the role that the that we play in, uh, I suppose, in society in general. Like, and I know we're in a in a privileged position getting to play for county, um, but it, there is a lot of stress and and time and pressure involved in it. Um, it's it's not easy at times. Like, I sort of look at twenty twenty one, where you uh, you win Ulster and you win All Ireland and you're a great fella, and then look back to last year and we're out early and you know you're meeting people and they're the first thing they say what happened is this year you know what's what's going on up there I hear such and such had a fight in training and I hear so you're, you're just thinking like there couldn't be any further from the truth and even this year you know we we started okay and um, then but once Derry beat us in the Mechanic Cup final it was everything looks disjointed and it looks like boys aren't getting on and boys don't care and like I sort of talk to the boys about it at the weekend like like nobody on any county team goes and trains three four nights a week and shows up for a game at the weekend because they don't care or because because they don't want to be there do you know what I mean and that's um and I think right from I was just into the throne panel uh, I always felt it important that we stood up for ourselves and, and weren't afraid to to you know get a point across if we needed and then uh, whenever Matty took over as captain in 2018, he asked me to be the the players rep. Um, don't know whether he asked me to be the players rep because he he felt like uh, I was a good influence, or because he felt like I wasn't afraid to to say what I thought. Um, and that that involved taking on the GPA role as just a rep, and it was something that I enjoyed and enjoyed like again trying to help boys to to progress their careers. Um, try I would. My big thing was trying to get boys away from the notion that the GPA was only there to help you if you were in a bad place. You know, like that, you know, it was only if you had an addiction or if it was only if you were depressed or if it was, you know, that you really, really were in desperate need of help, which they do a lot of unbelievable work in. But I was trying to say to the boys, like, don't get to that stage. Like, you know, the GPA is there to help you before, you know, you hit a, you hit a point where, where things get really tough. Um, in terms of like progression in jobs, um, financial aid, um, like they helped me out with my masters in terms of the financial side of things, and they're always trying to push the county players so that whenever they retire, that they're in a better place than whenever they started. And I th- think like I don't think they get enough recognition for what they do in terms of the players. It's always oh, there's the GPA looking more money, you know, off the off the GAA, but like. There, there probably isn't another organisation where where players uh, face as much scrutiny, uh, considering their their amateur status, um, and like just 
then it was a uh, Paul Flynn. Whenever he took, he was in the, he was the CEO, and he asked me to to become part of the NEC, and like it was, I seen it as a as a privilege to to be part of and to to help. And any time there's a meeting, I was like, I'd say ninety five percent of them, if not them all, I've been part of, and I just see it as a as a position of privilege that that you're being asked to be at the, you know, at the forefront of of the player's body and, and people that are really trying to push things on for the players. You mentioned the you mentioned the scrutiny of of players there and I and like say even go back to both in terms of the GPA but also in terms of throwing when like say does it does you lose a game and then like people are like oh there's this fight and there's that going on. Like does that frustrate you at times when like obviously like I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, and I'm thinking about like that the story you described of running into your house to grab your bag and almost upsetting kids and family because you're almost getting in the way of the rhythm to go grab your kit bag to get out to go train again. So like when you're giving that, I suppose when you're making that sacrifice, giving that effort, does it frustrate you at times how it can kind of quickly it can flip across to maybe cynicism or frustration or negativity from from people who are if it's supporters or whoever it may be. Uh, definitely. Um... Uh, I distinctly remember after uh, one of the Kerry games we lost, it wasn't the one in 2021, I think. It might have been the year before where where they beat us down in, in Killarney. And we stopped at a shop on the way up the road and in, in one of the apple greens or something. Or, and some somebody said to one of our players, do you think I spent my hard-earned money to come down and watch that uh, load of whatever that you put on today? And you're sort of thinking, like, do you think that we put in all the effort in training over the last number of months to to play like that? Like, you know, we we did and have an off day, like, and you know that that can happen, and you know it frustrates the players as much as it frustrates anybody else. And like as a player, like you're so grateful to the people that do spend their hard-earned money uh, coming out to support you, and there is those supporters that are really loyal, and no matter what, are always there. Um, you know, trying to pick you up when you're down. I've said it before, like, um, no matter what uh, happens in a game, I know whenever I come oh, lift up my phone, who the, the first four or five matches are going to be from, be it whether you win or whether you lose. But if you win, you know, you could have 15, 16 matches or, or more in the case of the All-Ireland Final where you're sitting with, with hundreds of matches flooding your phone. Um, so, like, it's it's frustrating that that people almost think that you've done it on purpose. <laughs> you know, none of none of us go out to, to lose on purpose. Nobody goes out to have a bad game. Um and just different things happen on different days. Um but yeah, it's it's frustrating that people don't don't sometimes see the the person behind the player, I suppose, to to put it in the, a good way. And like even obviously I think you're probably is this would this year be your 10th year playing with Toronto Senior 11 Isle, is it? 11th year, yep, 11th. 11th year, right. So like you're obviously on, I've been around a long time now and kind of at the, the other end where you can maybe look back and reflect and like, I'm just like, yourself as an individual, like with like highs and lows of sport, you obviously have to manage yourself in terms of performance and you have a good day or a bad day and you've got your internal feelings. But then that kind of noise and all that around it, is that something you've had to get better at in terms of channeling or kind of... How have you got better at dealing with that or kind of managing that over the years in a county where, like, let's be honest, like the expectation levels are usually high in Tyrone? And so, how have you got better at that? 
come off Twitter for a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like uh, genuinely, like, well, like were you were you getting crap on Twitter at times? Like in previous years, was there like was oh there yeah, like, stuff coming through? But like uh, again, like you would have had your good days where people would have been heaping the praise on you, and then you'd sure. have would have had the other days where you know you had a poor game where you'd done something that maybe you shouldn't have done, and you get the other side of it. So like, I just found that I was for a while getting as the saying goes too high with the highs and then also too low with the lows so I just thought it was best to to remove myself from from that environment I didn't find that it was was helping me in any way I suppose um, so I just just took myself out of the way of it and I suppose over the years then yeah like it it is hard at times playing for Throne because everybody expects you to win within Throne like and that's it's great in a way that they have the belief in you, that that you have the ability to go and win games and, and win trophies and stuff. But in other times it, it's hard because you can almost sense. I always say, like, sometimes before a game you can sense whether things are going to go right um, just by, by the mood in the camp or, you know, how, how things are going in, in training. And sometimes it's hard because you're going into a game and you're thinking, oh, this this just isn't it just isn't going to happen today or um, you know again something could have happened to somebody that maybe the players and, and team know about that the outsiders don't know and you're sort of thinking I just hope for his sake that that this goes well and um, it, it doesn't affect his performance so it, it can be tough um, managing the expectation and then and on the flip side it can be it was a it was a big lesson I had to learn to you know, take take things as they come, and and not to to get carried away with with a victory or a defeat. Like, is that something? Like, like, do you think that's something you have to learn the hard way? Is that something that you can preemptively learn and get ahead of if you're trying to like help younger teammates coming through now, or if it's wider players in the GPA, or like say intercounty players from other counties? Like, how? I suppose like linking that what you've just said to also your role involved GPA, like. What are what are the biggest challenges you think facing intercounty players at the moment? And I suppose is there solutions slash like how can we help prepare or like be proactive about that? I I always sort of laugh in the like the preseason competitions. You know, the majority of time, like a new player will get like man of the match, and I always say like, it, at times I feel like it doesn't really matter if they are the best player. I think it's more a case of we can get this boy out to the media here and, you know, he'll say say something that maybe he shouldn't say if, like, a, like an experienced player, I suppose, wouldn't say and then the media's got a nugget that they can they can feed off for, for the next couple of weeks and um, I think, it, like, a lot of it comes down to protecting players, um, taking them out of that sort of scenario. Um, I know, like, the media generally complain, I find, about how they don't get anything out of players and it's all, like, preempted stuff. Like I, I think like it's got to this stage now where players feel that they have to do that because they're afraid of it being twisted. Like I, I had to message a journalist last year twice because he took quotes that, that I had said and changed them into his own words and put speech marks around them. And I messaged him and he said, oh, I didn't think that you'd really mind. I, I didn't really change it that much. And I was like, you, you, like, you, you can't do that. Like you can't, put a quote around something that I actually haven't said um, and like uh, like there is a couple of journalists that I 
genuinely would trust and there's some that I just wouldn't speak to because I just don't trust how things are going to be portrayed. I've been caught personally a couple of times. Um, I said that journalist that I had the message last year and I got caught a number of years ago as well um, by a journalist um, having a general conversation with me and then printing what, I, what was said um, and saying, oh, I thought you knew whenever the dictaphone was on that the, the interview was live. Um, so like I got caught in that circumstance and that was me being probably a bit naive and a bit too trusting um, and I, I promised myself that I wouldn't get caught like that again and I try to try to pass that on to the younger boys as much as possible and um, I've done the media training that the G GPA uh, put forward as well um, down the communications clinic in Dublin with uh, Owen um, and it was absolutely brilliant um, helped me in terms of media and with, with job interviews as well like so and um, we try to push that on our younger boys as well just so that they have that that wee bit of wee bit of training and wee bit of experience and know what they're what they're getting themselves in for going to like a, so the communications clinic like that now where you're choosing to like upskill yourself or listen to what you've described there to kind of been burned in a previous situation or been taken advantage of like what does like what does going to do something like that like teach, does it teach anything about yourself the, whenever I went it was off the back of the, the incident with Paddy Andrews and um, where we had our collision and you know I was sort of worried about how I would answer the question um, if like we happened to play Dublin later in the year and the, the media tried to tried to blow it up again or whatever and going back to the very start of the conversation like I just always want to upskill I always want to get better and, and find different ways that, that I can Im improve myself and you know I would, I would love to, you know, whenever I do retire, have, you know, a, a further career in GA in terms of media and stuff. And it's something that I enjoy doing, enjoy talking about. So, like, I'm just constantly trying to top skill and, and, and get better at different things. Cause yeah, I think, like, when you kind of reflect back on you're the, the player persona of Niall Morgan, I think when you kind of come onto the scene, you would have come across, like, a, a confident player and it was thrown in with the fact of, like, just the, like you were one of the earlier goalkeepers taking freeze as well and coming up the field. I think anyone watching kind of would see like a highly confident player, but like listening to you there, be it that media story or kind of some of the other examples you've described in outside, outside of sport, of like, do you feel like, that? have you had to do a body of work in terms of building confidence in who you are like as a person and yourself outside of kind of football? And like, is this, am I picking that up right? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, whenever I take the pitch, like, Football is is something that I've done since I was three, four years of age, and it just nearly comes second nature at this stage. Um, obviously, you're still always practicing, and you're always still trying to get better, and you're trying to make sure that you're um up to scratch for whenever you go to play games and stuff. But it's something that I just always feel like whenever I cross the white line that I can be confident and 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 get on with games. Like I absolutely hate pre-game I hate sitting in the dressing room I hate the bus journeys um, I'd be very nervous before games like in days leading up to it and that's club games county games doesn't doesn't matter mechanic cup games club friendlies like I'm, I'm generally nervous and like I do like I would have had a lot of self-doubt different times um, as much as you say like it doesn't come across whenever I take the pitch but that's because like if you showed self-doubt on the pitch 
how you may forget about it. Like you're you're not going to get to play county football. You're you're going to be probably easily easily ruffled at club level. So it's like you have to put on that persona that no matter what happens in a game, that that you have the belief that you can you can turn it around, or you know that you know how good you can you can be. Like um, like the saying, "You're only as good as your last game." I always say to young lads, "You're only as good as your best game," because that's how you can perform. Um, so like if you turn around to a young lad or in a dressing room of young, younger lads and say you're only as good as your last game and there's somebody sitting in the corner that you know had a horrible day the last day out you know straight away their confidence is saying oh maybe I'm no good at football you know and so it's like I, I would always say you're as good as your best game and that's the way I see it and like any time I'm, I'm struggling for confidence or whatever like I would watch clips of, of good games or watch good games back and, and remind myself how well he can play and, and what he can do and what to do offer to the team and like so like I've had to build my confidence on and off the pitch like not just in terms of of my job like or in family life or whatever like it's it's just I just feel like life in general is a constant work in progress like you're you're never finished with, with anything you're doing and for you, like, talking about confidence there, and I'll be it on or off the pitch, like, when you are having, say you're going through a period of, of low confidence or just self-doubt coming in, like, it sounds like one of the things you were doing there was you, you then scan back to try find some evidence from your past to try and kind of lean back on or use to drive you forward. Is that kind of what you're just, I suppose, if anyone's listening in terms of relating to those feelings and just trying to get a better understanding maybe of what did work for you to help, A, like, get through that doubt, but then also move forward afterwards. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like, and that's again on the pitch. You know, it's like there's loads of video footage of of every footballer now, a uh, club and county level. Like, so you can always you can always find evidence anywhere. Or if there there's no video footage, I'm sure everybody can remember something that they've done well in different games. Um, then like at home as well. You know, remembering like whenever you are out of the house a lot, it's sometimes you feel like you're letting your family down. But it's it's remembering the, the good things that you're doing as well, and and trying to put it into perspective, and then in, in the job sense too, it's everybody has their bad days and in, in work as well, and it's it's just put, being able to you know put it aside and say right tomorrow's a different day, and and there is room for improvement, and we can all improve. But I know I can do a good job in that, and whether something went wrong or not, it can be fixed. And and we can move forward and and we can we can pick it up again, um. But like it's just nobody gets it easy, um. You know it's everybody has times where where they're struggling. You know no matter how they come across to everybody else, um. But it's it's knowing that there's there is good days that you've had and there there will be good days ahead as well. It sounds like those those experiences of of both the highs and the lows that you've you've described already. Like, I mean, is it fair to say like does that do you carry those lessons out? You be if that's like as a teammate in the in the dressing room if you go training tonight or tomorrow, but also then in your day to day life with teaching staff with students. Like, do you feel like the experiences you've had in terms of those highs and lows have like helped to widen, I suppose, your perspective or your awareness of of what's happening or maybe what's happening around you. I always try to dig back into experiences to to get me through anything. Um, but like, at the same time, I try to take every day as it comes. If that makes sense, like it it might 
might be a bit contradictory, but like you're you're drawn on on things that have went well to help you through what's going now. Like I, I'm, I'm not. I'm somebody that always pushes the limits in terms of like a training. I'm always pushing boys to be better, um, and sometimes it it probably will come across nearly as negative that you're you're picking on people, but it's because I'm trying to push it on that, you know, whenever you do go into a game, that you're you're drawn on the positive that things were turned around um, and drawn from the experience of like I know you're better than that so I'm not going to let you lower your standards because of that um, and that's like I hold myself to that account so therefore I hold everybody else around me to the same um, and you're drawn on the experiences of like if you're going into a big game like you know that mediocre isn't going to cut it or if you're you're going into a job interview you know that you know not shaving the night before or not wearing a tie isn't going to cut it, you know, so it's, uh, or in terms of family life, like learning that, you know, 15 minutes at home isn't going to be enough between school and training. Like it has to be something better. Um, and just like try, trying to draw, draw on that to make make things a, a better uh, or make more progress in things um, across life in general. Does that ever get like, I suppose not exhausting, but like, is that ever challenging for yourself? Where they say you're talking to training situation there, where you're going, you're not just going down to train with the other goalies and maybe bang a few balls. Like you're kind of going in. You're. All, it sounds like no matter where you are, you're kind of thinking about the bigger picture, or that you're quite reflective. And I don't know if I'm picking that up. If I'm picking that up incorrect, please feel free to correct me. But it's just something that kind of jumped out at me as I'm listening to you there. I hit whenever people think that it's finished. Like it's nothing's ever finished. Um. Like there's, there's no such thing as a finished article. No matter like whether you win an All Ireland or you win ten All Irelands, like it's there's nothing finished. Um, like and I think that's maybe what happened to us a little bit in twenty twenty one, where like for a lot of us we'd spent such a long journey in trying to get to the All Ireland, and we maybe felt like you know right we've got there, you know it's it's finished, and like then you go out the next year and you realise that you know you're you're still there and it's it's not, like it's not finished and it's not done and like there's improvements to be made and like everybody improves every year like I, I used to find it so amusing whenever people said that like like people aren't reaching Dublin you know or nobody, nobody's going nobody's catching up with them but it wasn't that everybody was improving but Dublin were just they were constantly improving as well um and that's that's the biggest challenge is is whether you're going to be content with your lot and and sit tight or or keep improving and it is tiring and it's there's times where you think right have I had enough like going into this year after a poor year last year you, like some people were saying oh will will you go back and like yeah I was tired and I was exhausted but like I couldn't wait to get back you know Eden Dark finished on the Sunday and I was back on the Tuesday night at Trone like and I just like I said to the rest of the team last week like like I have no intentions of ever retiring like you know it's 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 going to take somebody to take the jersey from me to, to make me go away like and uh, I just I, I don't know why like some, then you hear people are retiring because of oh, I've got new commitments in terms of a family and then you sort of think to yourself 
God, am I doing something wrong here? You know, am I, <laughs> like I said to Kira all the time, you know, should should I be retiring? Like, you know, is is this what you do whenever you have kids? You, you say, right, I've, I've new priorities, but like, I, I want to be, I want to be their role model. Like, I want to, them to see, see daddy playing football and think, oh, I want to do that. I, wa- I want to achieve and I want to, I want to be good at something. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether that's football or, or what it is, but if they can see, you know, like me, and even Kira as well, like constantly pushing ourselves on to be the best that we can be, then surely that only imp- uh, uh, provides good influences for them to to want to achieve and want to be the best they can be as well. Like when when you have those questions or when you have that, when those questions pop in, Jack, because I think like it only be you wouldn't be human if they didn't, you know, or you do question things or you reflect on something. And then I think back to what you talked about there in terms of if you were 10 years on the go trying to win an All-Ireland I think you've lost the final in 2018 and you keep going again talk to me a little bit about how winning an All-Ireland does change things because I know it's, it's easy to say I oh, know it does and we're back training and we're at it again but I think realistically you have to acknowledge that it does bring new challenges or it does challenge both the collective and the individual um, I suppose I'd be curious as to if Listen to you there, like if it challenged you in any way, if it changed anything within you over the last couple of years. Completely. Uh, like we won the All Ireland and I got my first All Star, and you're sort of starting to think, right, you know, now I've got the where I wanted to be in terms of whenever you start playing. Like my goal was to win an All Star and win All Ireland. Like that, that's that was my ambitions. I I wanted to be at the top. And then you sort of start thinking, like, right, what do, what do I have to do now to, to keep improving? And my biggest issue, and I've said this before, like, I went away from the things that I was doing that were keeping me at the top. And, like, sort of, right, I need to be a wee bit stronger, so I'm going to start doing a wee bit more gym work. But for me to do that, I'm going to have to maybe sacrifice doing a wee bit extra kicking, you know. And, like, then you sort of start, at the end of last year, I sort of sat back and thought, now, nah, like, what's more important? kicking or gym work and like as a goalkeeper he's hitting free kicks the kicking was more important but I sacrificed it because I felt like I wanted to get better so like that's where I was probably a little bit um, stubborn in that I felt like you're, you're, you're doing the right thing you're improving but it wasn't reflecting enough in terms of what what's the most important to the game here and I think maybe so, some of us as players went away from what we were doing that was helping us on the pitch, that was making us a better team um, to try to, you know, individually maybe make us ourselves a wee bit better. Um, and you fa- you were doing it for the right intentions, but it, it ended up, you know, pulling us apart a wee bit probably and um, it ended up going against us then and, and we didn't perform. And this year, like, we're, we're back, to, back to the basics, you know, back to right what made us good. Um, and... You know, it, it, it'll it probably be a slow process. It's not going to be a quick fix because last year was a complete disaster. If if, if we call a spade a spade and, and we didn't perform and uh, in, in the majority of games and we, we pulled it out of the fire in the league and then, then it all went downhill again after that. Um, and I think uh, it's... it's go, it, it keeps going back to the same thing of, of wanting to improve. And I'm wanting to get better, and I just don't know whether we had that 
collective will to really prove people wrong. We we kept saying we're gonna we're going to we're going to be the first drone team to win back to backs. That that was the aim, you know. But did did we do enough to do that? No, because when as I said earlier, when Dublin were improving every year, to keep getting away from people, we probably you know were were stagnant and if if not we probably dropped off a wee bit which which you, you definitely can't do when people are chasing you and uh and thrown as everybody knows like we we enjoy being the underdog we enjoy um having the chip on our shoulder and we we maybe just didn't have enough of that chip on the shoulder anymore because we'd we'd got over the line um and now like now it's it's got the stage where you know if if you don't recovered to an extent we we at least put up a good show you're going to be the team that that was lucky to win win an All-Ireland in, in a in a knock, like a straight knockout season and like when you reflect on the last two two years now like what so, 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 I'll go individually first now but like what are the two or three biggest like performance kind of clues you reflect on that you go like sitting here like today like yo they're the things I need to like make sure I'm doing like if like they're the things that make sure Niall Morgan is like a either in a good place off the field but also be able to do what he's doing on the field because it sounds like you know it sounds like almost after you win and you get to the all are like that the winning almost complicates the process a bit because you're either looking over your shoulder going well I need to actually add that. But then maybe that takes away, and then you multiply that out by if ten different people have done that, like then maybe the, the the formula or the equation gets jumbled up a bit. So as you kind of come back in at the start of this year, in your head, what are you thinking? Right, what's actually the things here now that are going to drive me forward? It's going back to being a goalkeeper for a start. You know, yes, like it's it's great playing out and and getting involved. Um, but like going back to remembering first and foremost. My role in the team is as a goalkeeper, um, trying to keep things steady at the back, trying to get better at my communication in terms of how I talk and instruct on the pitch, my kickouts, and then free kicks is going to be the like something that I'm that I'm trying to add. So like it's going back to just practicing the basic of goalkeeping, high ball, one v one situations. Uh, as I said, talking to my defence during in house games or or different uh, scenarios. You know, at every kick out that I hit in training, I wanted to be as close to a match like situation as possible. So I'm like telling outfielders, even if it's just practice, you know, I want to just go on full tilt, even if it's just a 20 metre sprint, so we can get our coordination uh, ironed out and, and we're in sync in terms of where I'm put, delivering the ball and where you're running. And then practicing free kicks at the end of every night. You know, it, it's not. 30 or 40 kicks like it could be could be 10 kicks and you know actually you know counting them as a go that I know how I've performed each night uh, and then putting that wee bit of pressure that you know right I've hit 7 out of 10 tonight that's that's the minimum accepted the next night or if it's a windy night you know right I've hit, I've hit 5 out of 6 or 5 out of 8 you know from a closer range because there's no point in going out and Trying to slap the ball into the wind tonight. I've worked on my technique, and ra- rather than rather than shooting, and it's um, it's just finding them real basics that that are going to make me a better player. Because if I'm a better player for the team, that's going to help. And if Polly Hampsey's a better player for the team, that's going to help. And you know, Connor Miller and Kieran McGeary, Darren McCurry, Con Brian, and suddenly, 
you know, rather than all them we one or two percent that were taken away from the team last year by us all doing our, our individual things, thinking that we were doing better. You know, if we can start getting them collective ones back from the year before, like then, you know, thing, things are only going to turn positive for us. Like, is there a sense I'm picking up there of almost like Bowden Isle, like you individually go, right, I got to get back to basics. I know you mentioned the word basics there. Like, I got to get back to basics. And then I suppose, like, does that become a group conversation down at Back to Basics or is that you talking to one of your teammates or is that like kind of smaller pods of conversations? Like, it just sounds like that, that there's kind of that kind of mentality of we got to get back to what we were doing. And I suppose my second question would is, which I'm kind of interested about is that kind of shift from going to we have the chip on our shoulder, I need to prove people wrong. And then actually we've won and we've won it. So to do it again, we almost need to prove ourselves right, if you get me. Like, talk to you about kind of, I know giving you a double barrel, like a long question there, but talk to you about those kind of two things. We're, we're all creatures of habit. Um, if, I, if I'm on the pitch every night for an extra 15 or 20 minutes, you know, somebody else is going to see that and they're going to say, well, hey, I, I want to do that too. And then there's two people on the pitch and then there's there's four people and then there's eight people. And then rather than, you know, everybody going in after training, you've got a full squad of players that are that are practicing for an extra fifteen or twenty minutes on on their absolute skills. Like it's it's not a you know, a whole team thing where you're playing a match against each other, but like I'm getting the head kick outs to Bran and Con who are who are staying on for an extra ten minutes, you know, and, and like this is something that always happened. You know, and it happens in every county, and you know that yourself from experience. Like every county's doing it, every club team's doing it. But I think last year we moved away in terms of, like as I said, I was doing an extra bit of gym work. Maybe a couple of boys doing an extra bit of gym work. You'd maybe a couple of boys practicing their free kicks, um, instead of practicing, you know, passing with each other, making runs. You had a couple of boys maybe doing extra bit of running by themselves. You know, and it, like it sort of just got a wee bit individualized. Um, whereas this year it's back to like you know half forwards are playing passes into wing half or into full forwards midfielders are, are practicing with keepers defenders are in there like trying to stop the, the forwards making their runs and stuff and like half backs are making runs for kickouts we're practicing our free kicks and it's all just gelling to get together as a team and it really frustrated me as I said earlier whenever I heard people saying about us being disjointed over the last couple of weeks because genuinely I've never been part of a team and that's club as well that is so gelled together and like it's like there's me Matty Petey and Ron McNamee are the, the, old, the old hands now like in terms of age but like we feel just as comfortable talking to the younger boys um, and I sort of think back to whenever I came into the team in 2013 11 years ago whenever you had the likes of uh, Conor Gormley and Stevie O'Neill and like you're good friends with them now because you played with them for for a few years. But whenever I first came in, it was like I I can't talk to the older boys, and it and it, and it wasn't that they were putting up a barrier. It was like you almost felt like there was a hierarchy, um, from from like just like these boys had three All Irelands. Who am I to to go up and uh, start start with them? Like whereas the the younger boys coming in now, like nearly all of them have All Ireland medals. Like they're coming in and they're they're the ones you know that are saying to us we're we're going to help you get over the line like you know and there's 
I think it's just the next generation coming too. Like there's just a wee bit more confidence with them and they're a wee bit more outspoken and they're not afraid to get get in on, on the banter or in on the, the slagging. Like so, it's it's only positive for for the team and it's it's great for us. Um, and then the the other side of the question was, yeah, no, I felt I'll hold my hand up there. I gave you about a four minute <laughs> question. <laughs> no, I was just saying I was when I was listening to you earlier, and I like I was just you kind of talk about being the underdog mentality slash like the chip yeah. on the shoulder. And I suppose from a sports performance perspective, whether we like it or not, loads of, so many teams like dip into that in terms of trying to get the extra look. It might get you an extra 3% or a 5%. Um, but I suppose then when you when you actually win and you, you, you talked about yourself, the likes of Niall, Peter, who maybe 10 years on the go trying to get here, um, all of a sudden, like whether we like it or not, that chip on the shoulder is almost gone because you've done it, like you've proved it. And then it has to be this switch where, as a group, you almost have to focus on proving yourself right or being, holding yourselves responsible or accountable to do it again because you don't necessarily have that chip. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on on that kind yeah. of opinion or that kind of thought that I had while you were talking. That that was actually a, a, a say that I used after the whole learned that they you know about proving ourselves right. Um, like, and people would probably wonder what 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 is meant by by that saying. Like, and it's basically, you know, you you're putting in so much time and effort and energy, and missing out on so many, you know, miss family time, weddings, stag do's, you know, club games, club trainings. Um, like, there's so many events that you miss out on, um, and you're proving yourself right in terms of I was right to miss all that. Um, I was right to put in that time, effort and energy. I was right to to go to training all them times and to, to put everything else sort of on hold. Um, and then you do it and you sort of start thinking, right, where do we go from here? And you're no longer chasing, you're being chased. And it it was just, it was a bit of a strange feeling. Like we've had it in Ulster before. Um, but like whenever you're you're sitting and you're you're on the pedestal and everybody wants to knock you like it's it's a bit surreal like um, and I think just we didn't have the experience of, of how to deal with that and like you look at a lot of counties whenever a, a large group of players win their first All-Ireland they don't really have that that experience of it like even Dublin like they won their six in a row but they also like was it seven out of eight you know, so after they won the first one, they still had that that stutter where the the sort of felt like they were caught because they just didn't know how to how to deal with it yet. And then the next year they won they won it again, and so then they go on the run. And like Kerry are in a position now where where they're being chased, and they've got a team full of massive leaders, but they're also in a position where they don't have loads of players that have been there before um, and like that's going to be the challenge for them and like um, that's not to say that they're they're not going to do it because they've got a, they've got a team more than capable of of going on, on a massive run themselves um, but it's like it's they'll notice it themselves that there's there's a massive challenge there and and also the, the pressure of like not winning drives you on as well like I've seen a couple of the Kerry players talking about how 
like whenever they weren't winning they were saying they were, they had, there was no pressure on them but it wasn't until they actually won last year that they realised how much pressure they were under um, and now they don't have that pressure so sometimes that can let you play a bit more free um, and you, you go and just enjoy your football and things work out but then uh, sometimes as as probably what happened to us we, we played too free <laughs> and, and left things open and um, we we were caught because of it, and and our skills just weren't weren't as sharp as what they had been, and we we got caught, and um, so like that that is the challenge of of how you how you start you cope with without that real pressure of of not having one more so than the pressure of having one. It sounds like that, like obviously a team and individuals have to do so much learning to win in all Ireland, but then also you got to learn a lot straight afterwards and sometimes as you said that maybe maybe some teams can get ahead of it and repeat it a lot of the times teams don't and it sounds like both for yourself individually and as a group you have been kind of reflecting and probably had to look in the mirror and ask some some tough questions to yourselves and to each other and I suppose just as you're rolling now to the whole season ahead and where your life is at in terms of those new responsibilities in terms of teaching and with family are you looking forward to the season ahead and do you feel like you are better equipped than you were previously to kind of manage all that and to kind of to balance those kind of key pillars or components of your life I always look forward to, to playing if I didn't enjoy it I, will, I genuinely wouldn't do it it is it is a privileged position to be in playing county football but it's not one for, for the faint hearted it's not one just to be taken you know oh he's lucky to be there uh, we, we work very hard I, I don't believe in luck I don't believe in natural talent um, I think you get you get what what you deserve in terms of um, how hard you work and how how much effort you put in and and what you're willing to sacrifice. Um, so like I'm massively looking forward to the to the year ahead, whether it's a successful one or not. We 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 don't know what's around the corner for anybody, but I'm always looking forward to playing and and playing games. And um, I don't I'm not looking forward to the the build ups and the chain rooms beforehand, but. Um, and the nerves, but I'm looking forward to getting out in the pitch and and like looking forward to to playing against the best players in the country and and being on the same pitch and you know sometimes I see that as a real real privilege and honour too, like to to actually be on a pitch with with some of these players, like and you know being being judged on on a, on the same level as them, and then like in terms of the school and and family life, like just embracing every challenge that comes with, with both of them and and as I keep going back to just always just looking to improve in and and all that I do and um just constantly challenging and constantly adapting and changing and and wanting to get better and think that's something that that everybody can do and everybody can take a lesson from and no matter no matter where you are in life or, or what what level you're at at anything you're doing like there's there's always a way that you can improve and and you can move up uh, uh, the ladder that you're on and um racking and it's I suppose from my point of view it was recognizing what I need to do to get there and you know that's probably where the biggest thing is not being afraid to open up and talk to other people and you know like I didn't become a principal by shutting myself away and filling out my own application form and doing my own interview like like there was lots of people there helping and it's not being afraid to ask for that help because you're never going to be the first person to do anything 
there's always somebody that has done it before and it's it's drawn in their experiences to to get them to help you and just as you've kind of described that like you know we talked earlier about say your start of your playing days or at senior to county level where there was almost like a an act or like a persona of playing but then kind of the polar opposite end of that what you're describing there is actually been able to i suppose look inside for answers or solutions but also to be vulnerable enough to ask for help to to reach out for someone who may guide you and I kind of was going to finish up on the note as this is not what you mentioned earlier in the interview you're part of the Gaelic Players Association's National Executive Committee the Players Voice podcast is produced in partnership with BO360 um, which is the GPA's player development program and I suppose in terms of acknowledging that vulnerability and acknowledging that need and benefit of reaching out for help at times Niall if you could say like a if you had the ear of an intercounty player who was maybe in the earlier part of the journey or hadn't fully engaged with the GPA yet in a proactive sense, as you as you also talked about earlier, what would what would you say to them for someone who's maybe listening to this in their you know, driving the car on the way to training or out for a, a recovery cycle or whatever they're doing? What would you say to maybe a fellow intercounty player that's kind of on the fence about whether the GPA can help them or what they can do to develop themselves individually? Well, like first start, reach out to your rep. Um, like every every team is a GPA rep who has obviously quick quick and easy access to to someone ahead of them in the GPA. Like we've obviously Eamon does a great job, and uh, I'm absolutely torturing him all the time. <laughs> um, uh, we we lost Ian uh, Reeves, who was absolutely unbelievable as well. And then there's like Chris and Arne now in Ulster as well, and like the work that the GPA do. Uh, Colm as well there is always on the end of the phone and easy to contact and Tom himself is, is very open too like so like it's just not being afraid to, to go and, and make the contact and, and ask for for it doesn't even have to be help but advice on, on what you should do next I remember sitting in, in university uh, and Paddy Talley put me in touch with Kieran Kearney who was a uh, like he, he was starting a psychology journey I suppose at the time um, and in terms of the sports and working with different teams and he was working with us and it was the time where I didn't know whether to, to stick with soccer or go to Gaelic and uh, I remember he just quite a real simple one like he got me to put soccer in a bubble and Gaelic in a bubble and write all the advantages of going back to soccer and all the advantages of going back to get or staying with Gaelic and um it was so simple, but like the amount of things around the Gaelic bubble was far outweighing the, the ones around the soccer bubble. And that could be the same with, you know, changing jobs, changing courses at university, um, moving house, you know, put them in a bubble, you know. What what what's what's one's got the most advantages and, and which advantages outweigh the weigh the other and um but going back to the GPS side of things like just Never being afraid to talk. I it's it's probably one of my biggest strengths is that you know I'll talk to anybody about anything, and I'm not af- not afraid to talk about anything. Um, I talk about my vulnerabilities, my self doubts, um, things that have that have happened in the past in terms of like me and my wife had two miscarriages. I was open about it. Talked to other people. Um, uh, losing games, winning games, abuse on social media letters in the post, whatever it is. And I think, like, as I said, no matter what I've talked to anybody about, I've never been the first. And 
I think sometimes whenever you're going through that, you think you're the first. Um, but there's always somebody out there that can help you and, and help you through things. And it's just being willing to, to pick up the phone and like as part of the executive committee, like it's like anybody that wanted to contact me about anything, you know, I, I'm there for them. And doesn't matter what it is. It could be a simple question. It could be something that could change their life. And I, I'm there to help. And that's like, just see that as, you know, that's one of the privileges that come along with being the, the G, part of the GPA and being a county player is that you're in a position that you're there to help. And something that you said uh, to somebody on any given day could be the catalyst to, to help them make a big change. No, I think that's such a great a great note to end on, Niall. I just want to, I know you're busy as we spent the last hour talking about it and um, I know you have a lot of different equipment. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today on the player's voice. And I really appreciate your honesty, your insight, your vulnerability, and just been able to have an open conversation like that. And I know it'll relate to different people in different ways. So just genuinely, thank you very much for joining us. No bother. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The Player's Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. You can search The Player's Voice on whatever podcast platform you prefer to find previous episodes with the likes of Vicky Wall, Lee Keegan, Ashton Thompson and Neil McManus. We would also really appreciate it if you rated or reviewed the podcast. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 programme by visiting bio360.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports and business leaders around the world, please go to www.realtalks.e. Thanks for listening.